We have all heard it said, who can contemplate the mind of God? Or who has God sought counsel with? Whom has he asked their opinion about how he runs the universe? And in, the, and in my study through Job this week, I came across some things that I believe had I not been a mature or a maturing believer that I would have just skimped past. We all know that Job is one of those books as believers that we feel obligated to read, that we feel as though to fully comprehend or get our mind around uh, what most people call the Old Testament God, we must read Job because, again, we know that Job was an upright man and he didn't do anything wrong, and yet these things happened to him. And yet in that, I have an observation. And that observation may be a little complex, but I believe it gives us a peek more so into the mind of God and how he runs the universe. And in running the universe, he does, as the Apostle Paul writes in Hebrews, around the third verse, that he upholds all things by the word of his power. Welcome to the Fill the Well podcast. I am your host, Apostle Jennifer P. Harris, based out of St. Louis, Missouri. I thank you for spending time with me as we go through God's word, as we are reminded that new wine cannot go in old wineskins, and that we remember that sometimes along this journey, through this thing called faith, we need to stop and be replenished. And God's word, again, is the best fountain to be filled by. So I welcome you with the love of Jesus Christ through the grace of our Father as we begin this week once more and again to fill our wells. I have always thought of Job as a book that you read in times of stress, strife, and just plain old, you will understand what God is doing. It is a book that is considerably long, even though there are longer books in the Bible, as we know. Um, Isaiah has 66 chapters, right? Which I think it's interesting because there are 66 chapters of Isaiah and there are 66 books in what we know now as the biblical canon. That, that's just always struck me. And yet, in this, in this and for this cause, I believe that Job is one of those books that, again, you feel obligated to read as a believer, kind of to, you know, from a place of superiority that sometimes I believe New Testament believers have, that, you know, we don't have to go through those things like Job did, but in case we have to, let me read and find out what to do. And yet and still what we find in the life of Job is he is no different than any one of us. 
And the thing that I've noticed, again, I've read through Job a couple times now, a couple meaning at least three or four. The one thing that I've seen recurring is that as Job starts, we see the complete onslaught that the enemy has to basically knock Job from God's hand. And you also have to remember that when Job was written, there was no Messiah. There was no advocate that we have now. You know, the Holy Spirit had not been given to the church. There were no Gen- there were no Gentiles. There was no Paul. There was no Silas. You know, there, what we are accustomed to having now in the New Testament, on this side of the cross, as the old preachers would say, Job didn't have. And as I was reading, and when Job said that he wished he had an advocate, and again, I was reading to be in transparency, I was reading Job in the message. And sometimes what the Lord has graced me to do, and I'm grateful and humble for it, is that in my devotional time, I'll read through the message, or I'll have it playing Uh, on audible, not audible, but um, playing audibly. Because sometimes in the morning, I'm doing two things at one time. Uh, You know, I'm getting kids up, I'm getting myself ready for work. There are certain things that I'm doing, but I want to make sure I get my devotional time in. So I sometimes read it in the message because again, the language is quote unquote easier to understand. And I'm used to when I have to read or study in Uh, the King James, or if I'm sitting in the Amplified, I like to actually sit down and read that. The message is something I can quickly absorb and uh, may get revelation about without having to sit down and look up words or or anything else or use the uh, study portion of my King James Bible to make certain things make sense. And what I saw in Job that I'm, again, had been there the whole time, right? But the one thing I'd seen is what I like to call and, and wrote down in my devotional as a Christ hole or a hole for Christ. Job, Job after, now watch this, when we know that Job was an upright man, we know that Job didn't sin, we know that he had a fortune, we know that he had beautiful children, we know that everything in Job's life was going for him right? We know that. And we know that Job made sacrifices for for his children just in case, right? They had done something that, that was sinful inwardly. So clearly he was a parent who was in tune with his children. And much like the, just like a canonical scripture kind of puts a veil over over certain things, we can, we can even using our biblical imagination can assume that same relationship with their chip with his children David David may have had with his own children or should have had with his own children teaching them how to pray and teaching them that their relationship with God was going to be everything that they were going to need it to be or teaching them how to repent get back he, there is an assumption that if David knew that perhaps his children knew, but we see in the life of his children, that clue wasn't demonstrated. But yet we see in Job that perhaps he taught them the same thing. Because again, in this book, we don't hear about Job's first children. We just know that they all died. 
but yet we see that Job sacrificed for his children. He was, he was, in, he was uh, clearly acquainted with them. Clearly, his children respected him. You know, he was a man of standing. And the thing that caught me was this: as all the messengers came in and told him that he had, you know, he had lost his cattle, he had lost his money, and he had lost his children. The first thing he did was worship. After he rent his clothes and clearly was in shock after everything. And I, and I believe a lot of us as believers can identify with that, that everything has happened to you. And after you get all over the initial shock of everything, that the next thing that you would want to do or should do, sometimes we don't do it all the time where it takes us a way to, a way to get there because sometimes you just have to survive what, what you have been given or been bludgeoned with he worshiped and he still blessed God's name but yet when his health was taken that's when we really see the inward character of Job come to surface now that's not me saying that Job sinned not at all I am saying that when he when his health began to fail when he had these horrible ulcers all over his body, when he began to truly suffer, not just emotionally. Now keep, keep in mind, he's lost everything. His wife told him to curse God and die. He's still grieving, we can presume, from the loss of his children. And now he has his health. And yet he said that, you know, and again, his false friends coming to offer no support and very little support told him, confess what you did so God can restore you. And yet Job says, I wish I had an advocate. If I had an advocate to plead my case, this wouldn't be so bad if I had someone who could advocate for me. And again, reading over and if again, being transparent, I've only recently started reading the message translation of the Bible, not because, you know, I'm so bougie and so removed that I can't, I can't get with another translation. No, it's just, it's just from a sheer vantage point of comfort. I'm used to the King James. Uh, when I started ministry, I was in the King James. I grew up, I grew up in a Baptist church. So we had the, we had the King James. And, uh, when I started ministry, uh, I was told or advised to get an amplified Bible. So I've, I've had at least one or one or two versions of the Bible for the last 10 years. So I only recently started reading the message Bible. And yet when that, when he said that phrase, I want to say around Job nine or 10, where his health starts to fail and the assaults from his friends come that that word advocate stood out to me. That Job has all these afflictions. Yes he, yes, he does not sin. He does not curse God and die. He is suffering, we can presume emotionally, because again, he lost all of his children. Now you can lose many things and get them back. You can lose money, you can lose cars, you know, you can lose houses, you know, even God redeems the time. But children? That's a 
that is a that is that is something devastatingly different. And even, you know, people get on Job's wife all the time. But remember, she was suffering, too. She's lost, you know, her position. She's lost money. You know, she's she was with this man who clearly was of stature, who had some things going for him, had healthy children. And now the children that she bore in the world are now all gone. And she has to take care of this man who now is sick. So she's so she's going through a whole other battery of things. But yet we see through these assaults that Job endures as he, you know, endures what can only be seen as maladaptive comfort from his friends. We see him still hold his integrity, but as he holds his integrity, He's, he keeps saying, if I just had an advocate, if somebody would just, would just explain to me why this is happening, why I, you know, I want, I want my defense. I want God to listen to me. I don't understand. And again, Job is one of those books where we feel obligated as believers to read. Kind of like cliff notes on how to deal with your own uh, idiopathic life experiences and idiopathic meaning things that just happen for no reason. Yet, he wants an advocate. And here's the part that's going to bless you. Even as Job does not sin, even as his friends, quote-unquote, try and get him get him to admit what sin he committed job still at what well, is asking for an advocate and we know again on this side of on this side of scripture in what we now call you know the dispensation of grace this this side of the cross the new testament we take and take for granted the things that we have access to. We know that, you know, Christ is our intercessor. We know that he is our great high priest. We know it is he who has given, who has given us how to survive onslaughts, how to, how to deal with pain and how not to sin and all of it. We ha we as a new Testament church have an advocate in Christ. And as we go back to Job, we see that he did not have that because the time for the Messiah had not yet come. And the thing that I meditated on and even still meditate on is there's a Christ hole in Job. Now, there was a couple months ago, not a couple months ago, but it's only May now. But I believe it was earlier this year where uh, Bishop Jakes was uh, teaching Bible study. and He was saying that he was talking about shadows in scripture, that there are certain portions of scripture that we only see the outline of, but we don't see the fullness of just like, again, like a shadow. If you go outside and it's a sunny day and you stand, you know, in the light, you'll cast a shadow. So there is something there. So there's something solid that is there but you only can see the shape of it if you're looking from a certain vantage point. 
what we see in the life of Job is you will never be so far removed that grief cannot touch you or the enemy will not be after you. You will never be so successful that something can't touch you. And in all of Job's great decision-making and all his wealth building, the enemy still had to get permission from God to tempt him. So again, anything that has happened to you has come from God's hand, meaning that he will sustain you in it. Now, again, that feels very cliche when you go through it. You don't want people to tell you, well, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Sometimes you just need people to listen to you. Sometimes you want to be affirmed that this is happening to you and you are not going completely crazy. I remember when my father died and people get people brought these cards and things to my mother and, you know, with great sympathy and sorry for your loss and things like that. And I also know that she just wanted to be listened to. That she she had faith. Yes. She knew that God would get her through this. Yes. And yet she still had three children to take care of. She still had responsibilities. And each one of us were suffering in a way that we couldn't understand. We just wanted to be listened to and seen. And we see that in the life of Job. That there will always be experience because life because life is linear and unfair. Your best day and your worst day will only be 24 hours. And from that, there is still, again, that shadow of Christ I saw in Job. And I can't help but keep seeing that. In reading Job and rereading Job, I see exactly, well, more so, right? I don't like saying exactly in scripture because as we go from faith to faith and from glory to glory, as God begins to reveal more of himself to you by his, by his spirit for his, for the ultimate purpose of your life, he will have you reinterpret scripture that you thought you had you had nailed down. That's why you must, that's, my, that's why there's a portion of ministry that will always keep you humble and keep you curious. And yet what we see in the life of Job is there's a shadow of Christ. And even as the book of Job ends, round about the 30, again, uh, chapters 39 through 42, we see his friends begin to hush. Because again, all they can do, all they can throw is accusations because they really don't know. And God himself answers Job. Now, this is the part I think where believers get kind of offended at God because we think that if we do all the right things, make all the right decisions, do everything that we've been asked, and, you know, we suffer for a while, as Peter tells us. If we do all that, then nothing bad should happen to us. That it almost feels evil for God to let, some, to, let, to let something bad happen to us. And this, I believe, is the pivot of the book. I.e., this is where we must look inward. And looking inward, we can see the, these three things. One, Job 
gets every, we all rejoice that Job gets everything returned to him. Yes, that is that is amazing. Yes, double for your trouble. Yes, that's 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 amazing. Yes. And also we see that God tells Job, I run this universe. Me. I run this universe. I do. And even in, even in that, here's here the justice here, and I don't want you to miss it, that God comes to answer Job. He doesn't send it. He doesn't send anybody else. He doesn't send. He could have sent an angel. He could have sent anything else. He could have answered him in the whirlwind. We, he could any God could have done anything else, but he answered Job himself. He answered Job himself. And in answering Job, he tells him basically what we see echoed in the book of Psalms. What is man that you are mindful of him? God reminds Job that we cool, <laughs> but I run this. Because remember, when Job's health began to fail, when he got sick, when he no longer had that last bastion of control, right? Because when you are sick in your body, that make that make that's a whole different level of recognizing your mortality, especially if there's no one that can help you. So when he lost that last bastion of control, he's like, hold on, God, wait, you can't leave me with it. You can't leave me with anything that I can that I can run. So, yes, there is a humanity aspect to Job that we can all understand, that we can all jive with, that we can all respect. And yet there is, again, as we find in Hebrews 1 and 3, that God, God upholds all things by the word of his power. All things by the word of his power. Even to the point that when the enemy was trying to destroy him, God was like, now nah, you can do all of this, but not this. God will never be without a plan. And the thing that I believe comes up that we come up against as believers is we don't want anything bad to happen to us or anybody that we love. We don't want to ever be in a position by which our health is taken or we or we have to deal with something chronically. Where if God knowing all things from the beginning, why even start this? Why even do that? And that, beloved is the humanity of your intelligence, meaning that it is finite. God knew what he was doing from beginning to end. He knows what he is doing from beginning to end. And what I hang my hat on for the book of Job is there's a Christ shadow in it. That Job is asking for an audience with God and, and God gives it to him. Remember, God gives it to him. He comes, he comes and he answers, he answers Job in a storm. Now I, I could just preach right off that. He answers Job in a, in the eye of a storm. And Job recognizing that he might've gone too far with his complaint. Had to, and again, the message tells him, I'm, I'm going to shut up and listen. I'm going to just let you do what you do. And, you know, I can't, I, I, I really want to say it like I want. And there's a little Wayne lyric that says, I do, 
I do what I do and you do what you can do about it. That's basically what God told him. I run this. I run this. And even to the preservation of your life, I run this because there's only so much that the enemy is going to do, can do, and that I'll allow him to do because I uphold you. And as long as you remember that I uphold you, your focus needs to be on me. Even when all of this is happening, even when you don't understand your focus still needs to be me. While your fo- and while your focus is me, I will take care of everything else. If you just trust me. And sometimes, and again, uh, Pastor Furtick spoke about this in the earlier, in the earlier part of May. Matter of fact, on the 30th of April at Elevation Church, he said, sometimes trust is ugly. Sometimes trust is so ugly because trust will make you get out of pocket. Trust will, trust will make you as David was <clears throat> in the enemy's camp with, with spit in your beard, cr- crawling on the wall because you, it, trust, will, trust will make you get ugly. Trust will make you fast. Trust will, trust will make you hang up the phone with people, with people you don't necessarily want to be with. Trust, trust in God will, will allow you to have the strength to move from people who don't mean you no good. Trust can sometimes be ugly. And in this, we find, right, that Job had, Job had ugly trust in God. It was ugly. It was ugly. But yet in that ugly trust, we see just how powerful our advocate is in Christ. We see how we are never going to get to a place as believers where we're never going to need God. <clears throat> never. We are ne- God will never craft a life for you, dear believer, where he will not be necessary. He will never give you a life by which you can, you can look back and say, I got this. Never. And the, and the thing is, the thing is, right? Even before Job had all that affliction, he still sacrificed. He still was mindful of God. He still wanted to do what God, he, he worshiped God to the best of his ability. And yet that, that word, if I had an advocate, if I had a defense, Job knew his own limitation, but knew if I had, if I catch this, if I had something else, to help me, I could get through it. And we, as the new, as the, as this body of believers who believe in Christ, who believe in the power of prayer, who believe in God, what more do we have in this advocate? What more do we have? How much more do we have? Because trust, we have more than what we think we do. We no longer have to sacrifice uh, lambs and things of that nature, lambs and goats. We don't have to do that. 
But what we do and what we must remember is this. There are Christ holes in all of our lives. There are places where we may not understand what God was doing, but we can see his hand there because it's a little bit obscured. I know I don't quite know what that is, but as I as I go through faith, as I go through these particular tests and trials, I can see where God was and and went from the from the different vantage point. Right. I can see that that was exactly God. I can see that was exactly God. And for that cause. Is he amazing? And do we worship him? And he upholds us by his mighty right hand. And he makes all things possible. God bless you. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I would like to give you that invitation now. You can do it wherever you are, no matter what time of day. God is always listening and always anxious to hear from his children. Repeat this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my life and make me new. I believe that you came, you died, and you rose and are coming again. I accept you as Lord of my life. Teach me how to follow you, listen to you, and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that simple prayer, I believe you got born again and welcome to the family of Christ. Get into a good Bible-based church. Find a version of the Bible by which you are most comfortable reading and begin with the book of John or the book of Luke as they are the easiest, they are the most easiest to read. I look forward to seeing you this time again. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to Fill the Well podcast this week. I hope that you were encouraged. I hope that you were strengthened. I hope that you are reminded that God is still able and able to do all things. I look forward to speaking to you all next week. If you would be so inclined to sow a seed into this ministry, you may do so via PayPal. The PayPal is Apostle J. B. Harris at gmail.com. Again, that is A P O S T L E J as in Jack, B as in boy, H as in hot, A R R I S at gmail.com. Until next week, may your prayers be fruitful. May God ever smile on you and may your well stay full.